At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. to the Cryptid Keeper podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And the energy we are bringing to you today is sponsored by the secret jam cave of LA's latest jam scandal. Alex! (laughs) It's all craft jam, baby, all the way down, except for the parts of it, which are, in fact, mold. So here's the thing, Alex, <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. Um, so here's the thing. There's currently a thing breaking uh, breaking down on LA Twitter uh, about like this local like uh, like rich people jam place. Like there's this fancy artisanal jam place in Los Angeles um, that I'm not going to name it just because like I feel weird like putting a business on blast that I've never frequented. But if you look for it, you'll find this information probably. But there's... <laughs> This is the weirdest scandal I've ever seen unfold on my Twitter feed. So there's this jam place in Los Angeles that apparently, you know, a jam spot. Yeah, for who knows how long, apparently has been tricking the health department by claiming that their jam was made off-site at a separate, like, packing plant, but the jam was actually made on-site at the restaurant or at the yeah, at the place where it is sold, and the health department did not inspect that for, for like, being food packing safe because they didn't think the jam was being packaged on site but it is being packaged on site so they basically had like a secret room that the health department didn't know about where they were packaging all the jam secret jam cave and then they didn't keep uh the room up to the standards of cleanliness so there were like mold spores in like the fan uh in the room that like got into the jam sometimes you just have a scummy little jam cave and you don't want the health department to know about it okay These things happen. They get out of hand. So (laughs) this is also especially weirdly timed because a couple of weeks ago, I saw someone on my Twitter feed talking about how they saw people like lined up out the door of this jam place, which is wild because who leaves their house in a pandemic to line up for jam? Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, uh, I bet those people regret lining up for jam now because, you know, if it's not the pandemic that gets you, it's your moldy jam from the secret jam cave. (laughs) It's your moldy specialty jam. Your artisan uh, death jam. So I told Alex about that right before we got <laughs> we got on the mic <laughs> because I I just I was just basically like I I need to tell you about this because I can't handle anything that's happening right now. I have never purchased jam from this particular establishment, but I thought about it. I almost did once or twice because I really like fancy jam. A narrow miss in the jam scandal. Right. I'm glad that I didn't succumb to my jam desires and and purchase some very dangerous <laughs> jam. In the jam wars, nobody wins. Mm-hmm. I think that you want to start a jam band called Jam Scandal. I do. I really do. It's just like the greatest name for a jam band I've ever heard. Can and I would like to write an erotic thriller about the story at play at hand and oh. call it Dangerous Jam. Dangerous Jam is very good. How about um, how about a cozy mystery novel about the jam scandal called A Sticky Situation? Ooh, I like that. I would prefer to write an erotic thriller, but yes. Sure. No, I understand. 
But also I'm just saying, what if there were a cozy mystery about a jam scandal and it were called a sticky situation? I respect your, I respect your vision. Someday I'll write a cozy mystery, maybe. I believe in you. It probably won't be about jam. I don't know enough about the jam industry to comfortably uh, unpack a jam-based crime. I'm still planning to write a cozy mystery series if Lifetime will stop being cowards and give me their money. Mm -hmm. I've pitched it on my Twitter before. I won't go into the details. It does involve a uh, librarian solving literature-themed murders with the help of a uh, tough but very sexy lady private detective. I love that. They're lesbians, so it can't be on Hallmark. It has to be on Lifetime. Right, of course. Because Hallmark are cowards, and they won't they won't let me make my lesbian cozy mystery series. But Lifetime, yeah, I understand. If you get in on the ground floor here and you give me money, come on, Lifetime, this could be you. Then you too could have the rights to murder. She read. Call us, Lifetime. Call me. No one steal that title. It's mine. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair. Do call Addison specifically. Don't call me. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> I cannot help you. I am not. Alice doesn't know anything about librarians or lesbians or cozy mysteries. Not a so. single. Gosh darn thing. I was about to swear really big. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> Remember at one point in time when we did swear on this podcast, but then we found out how many children listened to this podcast? We found out the children listened, and then we tried to retcon it into a family-friendly podcast, despite the fact that we routinely talk about people being eviscerated. I do remember yeah, that. And the fact that I, I have said the phrase erotic thriller probably five times just in this open. They don't know what that means. They don't know. <laughs> if they do know, then that's not my problem. Yeah, then that's down to parenting. And why are you letting your kids listen to this podcast? <laughs> um, speaking of this podcast, <laughs> we are not a jam cast. We are not even no. a, an LA-based scandal cast. Although no. uh, scandal cast does sound like a pretty good name for a podcast about LA-based jam scandals. So that's a free pitch to anybody who wants it. What we do talk about here... Jamdol. J- Jamdol? I was trying to make jam and scandal go together. Sorry, what were you Mm -hmm. saying? I bet you just thought you could jam two words together and make something nice. That's not true. You got to follow the rules. You got to follow the jam standards. That's why things like this happen, because people get sloppy. (laughs) I don't follow any rules. I don't follow no square man's rules. (laughs) Well, that's what the jam scandal maker said. (laughs) Oh, no. You either die a hero, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Anyway, what I was going to say is that what we do talk about on this podcast are cryptids and and folkloric legends and hometown heroes and uh, spooky happenings. But today, I have one that is shaped very much like a friend for you. Break me off a piece of that. Now, this is a very fun uh, critter. This is one that was actually suggested by, I think, more than one of our listeners. So thank you if you were one of the people who shouted this out to us, popped it in our inbox, slipped it through the mail slot, put it in my brain, because um, I had a really fun time looking it up. It's a cryptid who has recently come into um, sort of a resurgence of popularity, and I think you will see why. So recently, I know that you've chomped my flavor a couple of times. I thought it might be fun to return the flavor and oh no. <laughs> uh, to maybe do something that would typically be more in your neck of the woods by visiting a little yokai named Amabie. Ooh, is it a kitty cat? Because if you've taken a kitty cat, then I will genuinely be a little offended. It is not. Okay. I wouldn't do you that dirty. Thank you. I have not covered any dogs, so I, I thank you. <laughs> I, I respect and appreciate this very much. Um, but no, this is Amabie. What is it? Amabie is a legendary Japanese mermaid or merman with three legs who allegedly emerges from the sea and prophesies either an abundant harvest or an epidemic. Oh, no. 
you might <laughs> you might have already gone to this, but Amadie is um, actually recently very popular again. Has been showing up in a lot of like drawings and social media because uh, with. COVID-19, you know, being the world event that it is, a lot of people have been turning to, like, charms or invocations of Amabie for good luck in dealing with the health crisis. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. So Amabie is kind of a specific yokai, which occurred in, like, one particular encounter and sort of took off from there, but is believed to be an offshoot or possibly, like, even a misinterpretation of a broader class of yokai known as um, Amabiko or Amahiko or the Amahiko Nyudo or the Arie, which are all different versions of this sort of three-legged creature. Um, Amabie is a mermaid or merman, obviously. Amabiko mm -hmm. is usually depicted as like ape-like. Um, the Amahiko or the uh, Amahiko Nyudo might be kind of birdy or torso-less, <laughs> but they're usually all three-legged and they usually all have sort of this prophetic energy to them. Huh. <sighs> so the way that the original legend goes, the sort of baseline version of the story, and this is just coming straight from Wikipedia, you can look it up yourself, mm -hmm. is that Anamabie appeared in Higo province in the Kumamoto prefecture according to legend, around the middle of the fourth month in the, uh, like, mid-May 1846 is about when this would shake out to be, in the Edo period. Okay. A glowing object had been spotted in the sea almost on a nightly basis. Hmm. A town official went to the coast to investigate and witnessed the Amabie. According to the sketch made by this official, and the drawing that you will usually see if you look it up is the one that was taken down by this person, it had long hair, mm -hmm. a mouth like a bird's bill, oh. was covered in scales from the neck down, and is three-legged. Oh. A very fun friend. I was... <laughs> because you did describe it as, uh, as a, a merman or mermaid, I was just imagining mm -hmm. it as just, like, very explicitly humanoid, but with three legs and in the water. I, I was not aware of nope. its <laughs> complete body of scales and also bird beak. No, good luck making MIBA sexy. People have tried. <laughs> they have? I shouldn't be surprised. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. don't know. I mean, nothing should surprise me anymore. You can you can Google it if you want. A-M-A-B-I-E. So okay. check that out. Have some fun. Give yourself some imagery whilst I uh, take you away on a tail. So the Amabie addressed the official and identified itself as this creature and told him that it lived in the open sea and then went on to deliver a prophecy. <laughs> Good harvest will continue for six years from the current year. If disease spreads, and this is the best uh -huh. part, if disease spreads, draw a picture of me and show the picture to those who fall ill and they will be cured. Oh. So Amabie like invented chain letters, I guess. Um, <laughs> Which is very Alex good. While you were uh -huh. searching, did you find one that's like a drawing of a little anime girl wearing Crocs? <laughs> I don't think I saw that Okay, one. I'm going to send it to you, but Please when you search Amabie, someone has drawn her as like, it's not sexy, she's just like a little like anime girl with glasses and long pink hair wearing Crocs on each of her three feet and holding a thing of hand that's sanitizer. <laughs> That owns it's actually. Really, really there are a lot of modern interpretations of Amabie because she's recently been getting a lot of free press. Oh my god, there's so many. I found the original drawing, and I don't want to make fun of this person's artistic abilities, but it's making me laugh really hard. 
There, there's some very good ones. I highly recommend that everybody like checks it out. I get that the person in the story had to get the drawing down really fast, but it does also uh-huh. look like a doodle somebody did on their test when they were bored. Oh yeah, no, it's it's truly wild. And it's so funny. Can you imagine being like the town official? Like you're just a, 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 a townsperson. You're just like on the public safety department and they're like, hey, go check out this glowing thing in the water. And you're like, oh, fine, trudge, trudge, trudge. You go out there and suddenly this creature appears to you and is like, it's vitally important that to save lives, you draw a picture of me and pass it around. And you're like, well, (laughs) I sure regret not taking those life drawing classes at the YMCA. Right? Uh, Here's the thing. I will say, not to cut you off this early and you tell me about this, but it's very refreshing uh, when you often you have like the stories that are like a cursed picture or a cursed drawing that Mm -hmm. anyone who sees it like misfortune will befall them. I don't know if you remember, I was much more of a creepypasta kid than you were. There was this really Uh ridiculous story that went around called Smile Dog. (laughs) Oh my God. I was just talking to a former podcast guest, Henry Galley, the other day about Smile Dog. Oh yeah. He was writing a thing about Smile Dog. I remember Mm -hmm. he mentioned it to me, but um, yeah. So Smile Dog was a a creepypasta about like a cursed picture of a dog with human teeth. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And that's, like, the first example I think of. But there are a lot of, like, of stories about, like, images that, like, oh, if you look at this, it makes you feel sick or, like, bad things happen or, like. Oh, my gosh. I just recently rewatched um, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, I, love I love What We Do in the Shadows. Amazing show. Freaking hysterical. There is an episode where uh, the main characters who are vampires, if you were unfamiliar with What We Do in the Shadows, uh, you should check it out. It's not family friendly, so I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not for children. But anyway, they... Basically, one of the vampires logs on to check his email for the first time in a decade, and he has two emails, and one of them is an invitation to a screening of The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock, and the other is a chain letter from Bloody Mary saying, this is not a joke, if you read this far, you will be cursed, etc., etc., etc. You are all very familiar with the email of that nature, I am sure. And it was so funny, because as I was doing this research, I was thinking of that, and like how Amabie is like the, the anti- Bloody Mary chain email where it's you yes. know send send this on to ten people and they will be cured. All of you will be cured. Like that's, what a wonderful thing. That's genuine, genuinely really really lovely to me because I'm used to it being like if you look at this picture something very bad will happen. I remember mm-hmm. getting my first scary chain email. I'm sorry for the sidebar again, but I remember no, getting my first chain email. It was from a friend I made at a summer camp. I made a friend at this like nature camp I had done. Wow, betrayal. I know, right? But to be fair, we were we were both. Children, so she probably was just trying to save herself, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was one of those where it was like a scary story about like this little girl ghost, and then it was like, if you don't send this to five people, you'll wake up at midnight tonight and she'll be standing at the foot of your bed. Oh, yeah. And then they'll tell you some story about like the last person who didn't do it and how sad their parents were, and you're like, I don't want to make my parents that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my parents will be so upset if they find out that I was murdered by a ghost and I could have stopped it by sending this email. <laughs> Um, I didn't I didn't send the email though and I was terrified a little bit because I was like nine I was so freaking scared that I was gonna get killed by this ghost girl it didn't happen I'm here hello uh but you know maybe maybe there's a delay maybe one of these days she's gonna show up at the foot of my bed and be like you didn't send that email but (laughs) in the meantime it's very it's very nice to think about yeah the idea that like anyone who views this picture will and then it's you you think oh Uh god be cursed uh die and it's like be cured of all their ailments be cured it will save them from the disease yay I love that. Um, although I have to say, I, I don't know for certain if Amabie is just 
um, a creature who naturally by her appearance contains the ability to like heal people mm-hmm. or if like Amabie decides to use that power in that way because if so can you imagine that flex like hey draw a picture of me and then make 10 people look at my selfie and they'll be fine (laughs) that's the thing right i wonder if it's like the drawing was like imbued with a healing power or if just seeing the image of this creature will like cure disease from what i understand it it is that because it seems to be like the picture didn't have to be drawn in the moment, the directions were just, you know, like, good harvest is going to happen for a while, but it'll also be, you know, we'll have some epidemics sprinkled in there. When those happen, draw a picture of me and spread it around. So the initial picture was taken down so that other people who weren't there would know what it might be looked like. But um, yeah, apparently just the image of her contains the raw healing energy needed to bring an end to uh, life-threatening illness. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Wild, right? So anyway, after that encounter, Amabie returned to the sea. The story was then printed in the, uh, like, woodblock printed bulletins passed around the town where its portrait was printed, and that's how the story got spread. Oh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like it. I like how silly it looks. I think it's very fun. It's a very fun little story. Now, I mentioned that um, Amabie is potentially just a variation on another, like, class of yokai, which would be the Amabiko. Mm-hmm. So there's only one unique record of an Amabie appearing to somebody, which is the story that we just told. And it's actually not even certain like what that word means, what the characters in it mean. What's highly likely is that the last kanji in Amabie uh, looks very similar when handwritten to the syllable for ko. Mm-hmm. Like, so instead of a, it would be ko. And it was just like, so, you know, since this poor harried town official was like scrambling to take down the image of this creature and also disseminate the message um, that something was miscopied or like misread, that, mm-hmm. that his handwriting was just not particularly neat, and that it was actually an amabiko, in which case it would be a yokai creature that is also multi legged, which also prophesies certain events and mm. prescribes the display of its artistic likeness to defend against sickness or death. As far as Amabiko goes, there are at least nine different accounts of that creature, uh, which includes the Amabie. Four describe appearances in the Higo province, where the Amabie was. One reports the Amabiko Niudo, which is the Amikiko monk in the neighboring Hyuga province in Miyazaki prefecture. And beyond those, there are two localized in a province in the north. So there you go. Some different versions there. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, um, not all of them look like fun mermaids with bird beaks. <laughs> right. There is the sort of ape-like version, which is um, the probably next most common one. Uh, that appears in a painting owned by Kuichi Yamoto, who is an authority in the study of this yokai. Fun mm-hmm. fact. Okay, the I love that. Associated, yeah, I know. The text associated with that painting relates that ape voices heard by night were tracked down by one Shibata Hikozamon, who discovered this amabiko. Yamoto insists this painting depicts a quadruped, but there were also mass-printed copies of ape-like amabiko with very similar accompanying text seen as having just three legs. So, you know, uncertain. Three-legged, four-legged. Was it a hurried drawing? Was it, uh, you know spur-of-the-moment depiction is forced perspective, just something that challenges a lot of people who are not professional artists? Maybe. I don't know. You know, it's hard. Drawing is hard. It is. No, it is. I, I can't draw at all. Like, you, you actually have a mo- like, you actually have, like, a drawing ability. Like, you're good at drawing. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm very, very, very bad at drawing. You have played TKO with me. You have played drawing-based games with me. <laughs> you know what my drawings look like, even when I am trying very hard. If you were put on the spot and asked to, to draw a creature, the likeness of which would contain the ability necessary to save lives, like, how freaked out would you be? Oh my god, I would immediately begin to cry. I'd be very nervous, right? Yes. Be like, hey, can I go get my friend real quick? It would look so, it would be so ugly. It would look so bad. I would be, I would be drawing it because I want to save lives, but I would be a weeping and apologizing to the creature the entire time. <laughs> like, I know this isn't what you look like. I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not you. It's me. I cannot. I'm very bad at drawing. Oh, no. If I could make a clay sculpture of it, I could do better. Oh, there you go. Just, like, carry some Sculpey around. Yeah, I'm actually okay at sculpture. <laughs> Rip open a packet of model magic and maybe a mavier. Would a model of it do the same? Would it also have healing powers? Is it any representation of its image, or does it have to be a drawing? Um, Possible. I think it just sort of indicates its likeness, like, looking upon a vision of the mavier would do it. I, Can I, I just take a picture of it? I mean, now you probably could. Like, I know this story happened in a time where they didn't just have right. cameras. But but I, I feel like I can, I feel like I could just take a picture of it. Nowadays, maybe you could. Snap a selfie with a mavier. Yeah. I love that. Okay, good. Thank you. That's fun for me. Um, there are a couple other versions, <clears throat> like I said, of the Amabigo or the Amahiko. One of them is a torso-less version, which is... What a does really that rough, mean? A really rough way to describe something. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you other than an illustrated manuscript of an 1844 encounter depicts a rather cephalopod-like amabico consisting of a head with three long appendages growing out of it and hardly any torso. It has short hair growing from its whole body, including its face, with human-like ears, round eyes, and a slightly protruding mouth. Okay. Yeah, um... So that creature prophesied the death of 70% of the Japanese population that year, which oh could God. be averted with its picture board. Oh my so, God. Take that as you will. <laughs> that is harrowing. Fairly intense, yes. Although again, if I wanted one of my selfies to get mileage, I don't know that I would be above saying, show this to everybody so they don't die. <laughs> I don't want to um, cast any aspersions here, mm -hmm. but do we know that... It doesn't just really want publicity, and it's just saying that, but then when the people don't die, they're just like, see, my picture did that. Look, it's possible. I'm not saying that it's a publicity stunt. That would be and, really... Know, it's a pretty good... It's a pretty sweet gig, too, because if, like, somebody does show the picture and it doesn't work, you can just be like, that wasn't a very good picture of me, my guy. Like, sorry your drawing was so bad. It didn't work because <laughs> you, know? you did a bad job. Sorry. It didn't work because you did a bad job that doesn't look anything like me. Yeah. That's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. I know. Anyway, it's a pretty good scam they've got going on, if it is indeed a scam. If it's not a scam... If it is, in fact, a scam. If it is, in fact, a scam. Not to cast aspersions on a creature which is genuinely just trying to help out. Yes, exactly. That's the thing. I don't want to... I don't want to make assumptions. Now, I would love to talk a little bit more about Amabier's modern interpretations and sort of uh, return to the limelight. But first, we actually have, and this is very exciting, two incoming transmissions that we need to deliver. 
Oh, yes. So incoming transmissions. Uh, I don't think we've done one on this show. At least we haven't done one in a hot minute if so. We haven't done one in like a while. In like a bit. But if you are interested in hearing our dulcet tones read off uh, a message of your choosing to you or a loved one or potentially uh, hyping up a project that you are involved with, you can purchase an incoming transmission through the Lunar Light Studio Network website. And um, we'll we'll be your little podcast shills. We'll say whatever you want <laughs> within reason the within reason one, <laughs> is an important with, part of that yeah within reason we do of course reserve the right to say we're not saying that um and then we just won't get your money so you know that's that's fair that's how capitalism works everybody wins and nobody wins okay so what one are the they few, one of the few freedoms we enjoy within this system all right so the first one is to hype up the spiritual successor podcast now addison yeah Everybody loves a cool video game. But what about cool games that should not be made? Spiritual Successor is a comedy video game design podcast where the hosts Blake and AJ take video game ideas from their audience and consider what that game may look and play like. Okay. Some of their creepier titles include Charlie's Candy Cryptid Factory, Barbie's Eldritch Adventure, and I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh that really <laughs> that got me i like that those all sound like real winners to I me i would like to play um, all of those i know right that sounds like a great time so you can catch any of those and many more delights i am sure by tuning into the spiritual successor podcast by blake and aj i think you can find them at uh yeah it is at spiritual suck <laughs> On Twitter, S P I R I T U A L S U C C. That's an amazing at. I'm so glad they got that. It's really powerful, and they are based in Los Angeles. So oh. uh, you know, if you're out there, like looking into the jam scandal, or visiting Addison, or please don't be visiting Addison. I was going to say you better not be right on. now. I'm afraid. Please better don't. not be visiting Addison. But what you could be doing is listening to the Spiritual Successor podcast. Yeah. Why not? Why aren't you? Come on. Seriously, like, what are, you, what are you doing that's better? Listening to this podcast? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, a likely story. <laughs> yeah, okay, like, I believe that. What's our other incoming transmission? Our other incoming transmission is for Maggie. This one has a personal message, so Maggie, wherever you are out there, I hope you're listening. This is from Juji, Mom, Dad, and The Herd, who say... Happy birthday, Maggie. You may be stuck halfway around the world, but that can't stop us from saying we love you. You're the best big sister, daughter, and globe-trotting, coffee-loving, film-making, raspberry-blowing book nerd out there. We miss you so much, and we wish we were with you. Love, Juji, Mom, Dad, and the Herd. P.S. We still on for Peterson's when you get back? I don't know what Peterson's is, but I hope you're still on. It sounds great, and I hope you're still on. Happy birthday, Maggie. I wouldn't want to let those people down. Happy birthday, Maggie. According to this, your birthday is around July 14th, so <gasps> happy Bastille Day. Nailed it. Um, Viva la resistance, <laughs> you know? Have a great time, and uh, thank your family for paying us, because that's <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> happy birthday. And I hope you happy have some birthday, good Maggie. coffee. It sounds like you love coffee. Uh, we also love coffee. We love coffee, so, you know, we have something in common. True, true, true. You probably listen to our show more than I do, but I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, but you, you, you make the show out of your mouth, so it's the opposite of listening to it. It does come from my brain. It is the opposite of listening to it. I'm like the anti-podcast listener of our show. 
I actually take our downloads down when I listen. Alex, please stop doing that. I've asked you to stop. (laughs) I can't be stopped. Anyway, those are our two incoming transmissions for today. As a reminder, you can purchase those by going to the Lunar Light website, which uh, we will link in the show notes. You can also buy incoming transmissions for any number of other shows on the podcast network, including uh, many favorites, which Addison and I have guested on before. So if you like listening to us, you're probably going to like listening to those too. A lot of those people are very delightful and funny and good friends of ours. Yeah. Now, where were we? I mean, I don't know. You're taking, you're you're guiding me through this maze. I, I am truly well, the answer just is Japan. I mean, yes. <laughs> it's like you weren't even paying attention. I was. <laughs> I am a guest in this space, so I... Well, anyway, there is an article from BBC Travel uh, from 23rd of April of this year, as you may have guessed, extremely contemporary, by Rebecca Saunders, who says... In Japan, as parts of the country declare a state of emergency, people here have been reacting to the COVID-19 pandemic in a unique way, by sharing images online of a mystical mermaid-like being believed to ward off plagues. Largely forgotten for generations, Amabie, as it's known, is an auspicious yokai, a class of supernatural spirits popularized through Japanese folklore. But all of our listeners knew that already. We love yokai! It was first documented in 1846. We do love yokai here. As the story goes, a government official was investigating a mysterious green light in the water in the former Higo province, present-day Kumamoto Prefecture. When he arrived at the spot of the light, a glowing green creature with fishy scales, long hair, three fin-like legs, and a beak emerged from the sea. Mabie introduced itself to the man and predicted two things. A rich harvest would bless Japan for the next six years, and a pandemic would ravage the country. However, the mysterious merperson instructed that in order to stave off disease, people should draw an image of it and share it with as many people as possible. The curious encounter was promptly published in the local newspaper, accompanied by a woodblock print of Amabie's likeness, which helped to disseminate its image across Japan. For much of the past 174 years, Amabie has remained rather dormant, but as the coronavirus has swept across Japan, its image has recently resurfaced on social media, bringing hope that those who share it are helping to end the current pandemic. Amabie can be seen as an Edo period meme, said Victoria Rabar, a graduate student at Stanford University Center for East Asian Studies. Amabie tells the public to draw it and then make that drawing go viral to prevent the plague. Viral. According to Google Trends, the mythical yokai resurfaced in early March and its popularity has since spread to five continents, with the hashtag Amabie challenge hashtag now appearing in English. In addition to the tens of thousands of paintings, drawings, and personalized depictions of Amabie on Twitter and Instagram, people in Japan have begun selling face masks and hand sanitizers with Amabie's image That's on them. That's so cute. I know, Sorry. right? I want to get one with like a little beak and some scales. I think that'd be cute. Mm-hmm. One illustrator who daubed Amabie's likeness on the side of a long-haul lorry tweeted an image of it, saying, I travel all over the country with my goods and Amabie to pray for the disease to go away. Other Amabie leavers have made edible Amabie sushi and baked Amabie-shaped biscuits. The yokai has found itself embroidered on fabric, blown up as a balloon animal, and made available as a charm in Japan's ubiquitous gachapon machines. People are even dressing up their pets as the seaborne spirit. (gasps) I want to see that! (laughs) I don't have any pictures of that on here, but I do have a very cute vector illustration of Amabie, which I can send you. Okay, good. Though yokai can also be monsters or demons, these folkloric spirits are well-loved across Japan today. Some, such as Amabie, possess benevolent powers, others are shapeshifters, and many are typically portrayed in outlandish forms with elaborate backstories. Again, we know all of this, and the rest of the article is just sort of talking about um, yokai in general. 
which is very cool and fun. So uh, yokai are the carriers of historical memory of the Japanese people, said Rabar. They are not static, with new ones popping up occasionally thanks to new documentation of them being found or due to the work of uh, mangaka like Shigeru Mizuki, whose manga franchise Gigi no Kitaro helped to not only revive yokai characters in the 1960s, but also to transform them into more lovable and less feared characters. Ironically, Aww. Mizuki Productions played a role in reviving Amabie's popularity during the current pandemic. On the 17th of March, the company tweeted an illustration of Amabie with the message, May the modern day plague go away, prompting other manga artists, such as Mari Okazaki, to post their own illustrations with similar messages of hope for the end of the pandemic. There is a lot of dark news at the moment, Okazaki said. I think people who see all of that want to enjoy themselves. When people paint or draw, it tends to calm them down. So people are drawing a mabie for both themselves and others, Okazaki continued. Various artists are participating in the fun, which I think is a good thing. I do too. Isn't that nice? I think that's really nice. I think it's very sweet, actually. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think, of course, this is an extremely serious time. And I think that obviously uh, there is a necessity for serious conversations about what's happening and how to help people that are suffering. But I also um, think that there's only so much of that you can do before your brain feels like it's going to snap mm -hmm. in half. Yeah, so totally. the idea of having something that still refuses to ignore the present moment and the, and the seriousness of what's happening, but, but like allows people to have like a little bit of whimsy and a little bit of like, silly sweetness and 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 like a sense of play still and just a sense also of like spreading this feeling of solidarity in the moment while also kind of having that like silliness and that whimsy i think that's really important and genuinely really i find that very moving 100 percent. and you know it's like i totally agree with you there are things which everybody needs to be doing right like there are pieces of this that you need to take responsibility for. There are decisions that have to be made. There are very unfun prioritizations that you just need to make. There are things right. that are group decisions that you must participate in and choosing not to do so or to disregard the intensity of the situation um, will negatively impact people. And that's the reality of it. And you have to be aware of that. That having been said, after a certain point, you know, there is a certain sense of individual powerlessness because ultimately, while everybody does share a responsibility in mitigating the spread of this thing, the decisions that would need to be made to like eradicate it or keep people safe on a nationwide and international level would have to be systemic. And you cannot impact whether or not those decisions are happening. You have to live within the circumstances that the system provides you and do the best that exactly. you can within those circumstances. So after a point, there is a sense of powerlessness that seeps in. And I think, you know, if you're in a position where you feel like a lot of the things that you're doing really aren't making a huge difference anyway, you might as well share a drawing of a fun yokai, right? Like, you might yeah. as well. If you're doing everything else that you can, that decision's not going to hurt anyone. And in fact, even in places where there are situations where, you know, people should want to wear a mask just because it's a good thing for other people, and I shouldn't have to explain to you to care about other people, the reality is more people will wear masks if they are cute. And that's just like a thing that we have to accept and acknowledge and grapple with. In a perfect world, people would wear masks simply for the fact that they help save other people's lives. But we don't live in that world. We live in a world where sometimes people will buy something because it's branded. So you know what? Put a fish beak on it. 
Why not? Yeah. Do something nice for other people. Bring a little joy into your life. If you are going to be wearing a mask for the next several months anyway, you might as well like smile when you see it in the mirror. Yeah, make it cute. Like, screw it. Make, like, if you have to, if we have to do this anyway, and if we want to make it something that you feel more inclined to do beyond just like the fact that it's the right thing to do and it's the safe thing to do, if you want to mm-hmm. find a way to bring joy into that instead of it feeling like this, this, this just kind of drudgery of a task like yeah make it make it cute yeah totally make it cute you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. on that note japan's official ministry of health labor and welfare has actually also gotten involved with the uh, amabie craze in a tweet on the 9th of april the government agency shared an image of the yokai reiterating amabie's original sentiment and encouraging people to prevent the spread of the virus so it's this cute little flyer that says stop covid19 and it has like the original drawing of amabie on it which i do think is fun that's really cute Mm-hmm. I also didn't realize that the uh, when you were describing the Amabie to me, I did not imagine it as being as cute as it actually is. It can be super cute. Like, when I looked up the pictures... Not all of the drawings of it, yeah. Not all the drawings of it are that cute, but a lot of them are really cute. Well, the, the first drawing of it, like the one from the initial story, is adorable. Mm-hmm. It just looks like a cute little doodle you would do in the margins of your notes in, like, history class. Uh-huh, yeah. And honestly... If, like, that's the bar for uh, a drawing of it that will be effective, then I think I actually might be okay. <laughs> it wouldn't look as cute. It would look, it, would lo- it would look very ugly. Don't let, me, don't let me pretend it won't. It would look very ugly. It would not be as cute as that drawing. But I think I could do okay. <laughs> I think you could hang it in there. Yeah. There's a really fun, um, like, photo manipulation of the Mabier that I like quite a bit. I'm going to send it to you right now. Okay, yeah, I want to see it. And then I will also uh, reference the article that it is on because I want everybody to be able to find it. It's a very adorable little experience here. Look at this thing. Isn't that cute? Mm-hmm. I love this little photorealistic Amabie. She's so uh, precious. It looks, like, it looks like a character from Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Or like the Dark Crystal. It's really cute. It looks like a very, uh, it looks very Jim Henson. There is a very strong Jim Henson energy to it. Yeah. Oh my god, it really looks like it would fit in in Labyrinth especially, because I find the creature designs in Labyrinth to be a lot cr- a lot cuter than the Dark Crystal, which I find to look kind of uncanny at times. Uh-huh. But this is adorable. Can you, like, uh, I'll, like, I'll tweet it maybe when the episode goes live. I want people to see this. Yeah, here, let me, um, let me attach the article which credits the artist. Perfect, give me the link, because I want to, yeah, I want to be able to credit the artist. That's so freaking cute. This article comes to us from blog.gaijinpot.com, and it is titled, Meet the Japanese Yokai That Will Save Us from the Coronavirus. Oh my god. This is from May 20th, 2020. One Japanese yokai character has a long history of helping the nation deal with plagues, and the outbreak of COVID-19 has made it into something of a social media star. Amabie, a half-human, half-fish yokai, which I don't know if that's the best description of Amabie, but we'll stick with it from the late Edo period, has become a hit on Twitter because it not only predicts plagues, but says it will save people from illness if they share a drawing of it. Twitter and Instagram users have been posting not just drawings of the beaked three-legged mermaid creature, but pictures of key rings, origami, bread, Japanese sweets, and a whole other slew of objects featuring its likeness. Below, in this article, you'll see a depiction of Amabie as the Mona Lisa, which is very fun. Cute. Amabie first dates back to 1846 when a government official went to Kumamoto Prefecture to investigate rumors of a glowing shape was appearing in the ocean each night, etc., etc., etc. The illustration depicted Amabie as having long hair, a beak, fins instead of ears, scales on the upper body, three legs, and diamond-shaped eyes. 
Aww. Twitters are what? using the... What? What are diamond-shaped eyes? The, I, I mean, in the original picture, they are literally shaped like diamonds. Yeah, but I feel like that was just the artist's rendering. I don't know that it's... Okay, I'm, I don't know anymore. I don't know. Whatever. There are a few other drawings that do the same thing. Um, but at that point, are they drawing the thing or are they right. drawing the artist? It's hard artist's- to say. Thing. Okay, it's fine. I, love I don't know. It. I'm going to assume that the initial uh, government official took his responsibility very seriously and probably depicted mm-hmm. as closely as he could the eye shape. Because who knew if that would become relevant, you know? I'm going to send you the one of the little anime girl with glasses right now, too. Please do. That's very fun for me. Because what they've done is they've given her regular, like, anime eyes, but they mm-hmm. made her glasses, like, diamond shaped. Oh, neat. It's actually super freaking cute. Look at it right now. Okay, I'm looking at it right now. Oh, that's adorable. Look at her Crocs. <laughs> They're really fun. That's very good. <laughs> and she has hand sanitizer for you. Aww. I love her. It's very good. I like that a lot. Super cute. Anyway, sorry, please. It's okay. Anyway, this blog post goes on to uh, reference again the MMBA challenge hashtag and just all the different ways people are using it. You should check it out. It's a lot of fun. But I then will. it goes on to explain that it seems that the tag was kicked off by a post from a hanging scroll store. Uh, It traces back to February 27th of this year. Apparently, the shop posted an explanation of Amabie's powers and a striking image of a scaly, human-like female figure. A tweet from Kyoto University in early March about the mysterious creature sparked further interest as Google search results for Amabie saw a sharp uptick shortly afterward. For many netizens, this was the first time they had heard of Amabie. I think this is cool, because we talk a lot on this show about, like... Creatures which have a strong association with people and, like, people who have grown up with certain creatures and how that has influenced their identity. This is maybe one of the first instances we've had of something where, like, there has been a direct and dramatic cultural resurgence in a current moment, which has led to something becoming, like, internationally relevant again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's really fascinating. And I think it's cool because we talk a lot about as well, like, historical instances where something that was going on, like, some major event caused, like, a relevancy in a certain creature or a certain piece of folklore. Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating to be living through a moment like that. Yeah. I just think, the you know, the intersection of folklore and reality is an interesting thing to study in the safety of a historical vacuum. But obviously, you know, it's a lot messier than that (laughs) in real life. And... For as fun as it is to look at past circumstances and say, like, oh, you know, well, XYZ thing was really scary and weird. And so people turned to this, you know, piece of information or this story to provide context for it or to find comfort or everything. Like, I don't know. It's just there's something so drastically different about having that conversation versus, like, sitting here in my home with cabin fever like crazy because I've been stuck, you know, I've been grounded by a literal global pandemic and -hmm. then looking at my computer and scrolling Instagram and seeing some fun pictures of like a little mermaid gal with a bird beak and saying, ha, nice. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, no, sometimes you just, I mean, dang, man, I just caught myself. I almost started swearing, but dang it. We just need those ha ha nice moments so bad right now. We do need haha nice moments. Like, but I, I think what I'm just saying is like it's one of the most interesting things as a historian is that you will never truly be able to know how historians will look at your time period. Yeah. And that's like a truly wild thing. So it's really interesting to be able to look at a moment that you know is historic while you're living through it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a rare gift 
Um, it is. And I'm not saying that it is a gift to be living through a pandemic. Yeah. I'm saying, <laughs> you know, there are bad things happening all the time. The clarity to at least recognize that you are directly responsible for taking part in, you know, decisions which will impact the ways in which the future is allowed to intersect with the period that you are living through is an unusual and rare thing. It's, 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 it's so, so strange in, and, and fascinating in it. And it feels very much like an out of body experience sometimes. The whole thing's pretty buck wild. Yeah, there is like no degree of separation that takes you away from what's happening right now. You know, there's a little bit more information about MIBA out there, but I kind of like that note to to button this on. There's yeah. not much more to say beyond that. Um, I highly recommend looking up MIBA or Amabiko. It's very fun. There are, again, no shortage of hours you could spend just going through the hashtag and experiencing all of that delight. And I hope that you do. I hope that you let that little charm into your life to ward off maybe some of the um, the worst brain feels, because if nothing else, I think that's something it can do. I think the only real announcement is that, um, as you have probably noticed with the upload of this particular episode, our release day is going to be changing for a bit. Um, just because of schedules, it's like more and more recently, and I'm sure people have noticed, thank you so much for your patience as we've gotten a couple of episodes out late. Just the way things are going right now between my work schedule and, um, you know, Addison's time difference, uh, mm. we're primarily recording on weekends again, which just makes it a little bit easier to release later in the week. So um, mm-hmm. I think this is actually the first time we've changed our release day. We've changed release times before, but this might be the yeah. first time we've changed our release day since we started the podcast. So hopefully it's not, you know, too world ending. If you're anything like me, you probably don't know what day it is today anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Effectively, new Cryptid Keeper episodes come out on whatever day it is they make it to your ear. So if you still like that being Sunday, then just put this episode off till next weekend, listen to it on Sunday, and you've got a new episode every Sunday. (laughs) All right. Anyway, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Pretty, witty, and gay.